What is up, everybody? It's Alan again from the fan section. Alongside me is my co-host, Tyson. We are back for another episode. Exciting week. We're recording here on August 7th. Pretty pretty excited for it. Big week. A lot of things have been happening. Um, as always, we're going to get into it. What we'll, we'll, we'll talk about... Um, I want to preview conferences again because that was a lot of fun last time. Um, I also want to get a little bit of recruiting stuff has happened. There's actually a recruit today that's going to apparently later today will make his decision. Sadly, we won't be able to do that on air. We'll probably be done podcasting when he's recruiting uh, and he picks a school. But as always, real quick, I want to just do the little intro saying that um, this is the fan section to you, brought to you by fans for fans across the college landscape from section 100 to 300. Bleachers to the Sweets, welcome everybody. All your opinions, we love your opinions. Um, like I said, I'm Alan, that is Tyson. We're two co-hosts, just dudes talking college, dropping knowledge. Before we start, we want to take the time to ask you to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. We promise to read it on air. Also, we want to go if you want to go over to our Twitter handle at the fan section, and if you want to get in that mailbag, send us your questions at the fan section one at gmail.com. Having said all that, conferences. Do you want to dive into recruiting first, or do you want to get straight into the, the meat and everything like that of the Big 12 and the ACC, which are the two conferences that we're going to preview today? Yeah, but did you have a little on uh, recruiting? I do. There's yeah. actually a lot we of... Missed, we missed out last week. I yeah. Want to have you get me caught up. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, as far as recruiting goes, there's been, there was one big uh, deco- uh, decommitting, which was Jaheim Singletary from Ohio State. He decommitted. Uh, the reasons were he just wanted to... Make sure that he made the right choice, right? He wanted to – a couple teams were pitching him, so that's a big one. Um, Ohio State lost a five-star. Um, it doesn't mean that he necessarily won't go back there. It just means that right now he's just not – he's just unsure, which is okay. It happens. Um, the other world in recruiting, we talked about – I think it was like the second – first or second podcast about Quinn Ewers, the nation's number one uh-huh. um, quarterback. He actually found a loophole. He's at Ohio State right now competing for that starting job. So because he's the nation's number one quarterback, I'm not surprised. Um, Also, because he's an Ohio State commit, I'm not surprised either. But the name, image, and likeness definitely played a part in this. Uh, The fact that he was able to graduate super early, he's at campus now. He had enough credits to – I don't know the full extent of the story, but I know that he basically did what Bryce Harper did. Went out of school, got his GED – and went to a junior college right away um, because his he knew he was going to play baseball forever. So I don't I don't know if Quinn Ewers necessarily did that. I don't think he did. I think he just graduated um, and had he did like before the August, which is the school, um, it's like like year starting. Uh-huh. He was able to graduate, get his diploma, and now he's enrolled a full time student at Ohio State University, eligible to play this year. So he's going to compete. I don't know what that means for Sam Miller. Or a CJ Stroud, who's actually competing against Ewer for the job. Mm-hmm. So we talked about it earlier, though, that about actually these quarterbacks, right? I think it's kind of funny that we were when Quinn Ewer steps on campus, he's going to be the day one starter. Well, it's time. Hopefully, he he he's able to cash that check that I said he was going to be right. Um, but it, you wonder if you're you can't obviously transfer now if you're Stroud or Miller, right. but you're more than likely not going to play. So it's one of those things where if you're the third string or fourth string quarterback in that room, it's pretty much set in stone you're going to transfer, right? You can mm-hmm. just you can just tell people now, hey man, love you guys, but I'm, yeah. 
This is I got to do no, what's best for my career. Yeah, yeah. So if you're a four or five star recruit, you can't be sitting on the bench for three years. Exactly. So you wonder. I mean, I don't know all the parameters. I know that probably schools might not necessarily be allowed to talk to them for sure. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's you know there's rules against that um, until they enter the transfer portal. You're not supposed to like talk to them. Right. But it's a foregone conclusion that one of the two will transfer and maybe potentially say Quinn Ewers takes the job from CJ Stroud and starts the season, then it's safe to say that CJ's going to transfer as well because you're not going to sit behind um, Quinn for a full you know three years. You're trying to get your name out there. You're trying to go to the NFL. So that's the biggest news is Quinn Ewers is now officially at Ohio State. Well, that's what you saw at USC mm-hmm. with JT Daniels transferring, right? Yeah, exactly. So, Keaton Slovis. So, yeah. but he got and 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 Quinn Ewers did get permission to play right away. So they, they did the whole legal thing and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, I think right now though that the the, the latest report of Ohio State was CJ is probably the starter, um, but they have so. And if he is awesome, that's good for him. But I'm not expecting him to finish his career at Ohio State, right? Like, sure. especially with Quinn behind him. So, Quinn's definitely in the future at Ohio State, which is good. Um, but you have four or five star quarterbacks to possibly transfer at Ohio State. So, there's there's four that's of them. Bananas. That's, that's crazy, crazy, right? Um, that's the biggest news. And, and then, as far as the other, um, you know, the, the big decommitment from Tobias is that, you know, like I said, he just. Found some other, found another reason. Just wanted to make sure all his options were good. So there's really no other information as far as recruiting goes. Um, a little bit of a shakeup at the top, though. Penn State is number one now. Alabama is number two. Notre Dame is number three. Ohio State is number four. And Georgia is number five. Um, LSU did have a pretty big week. They picked up a couple, um, and they jumped up to six in the in the nation as far as that. But there's still you have Walter Nolan, Travis Shaw. You have Zach Rice. Uh, you have Shamar Stewart, Denver Harris, and Devin Campbell, who still haven't picked up, who still haven't decided yet. So there's still a lot of good players out there that all interested in Colorado, right? Oh, <laughs> maybe you never know. Um, oh, I know. As far as as far as though the 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 players still left, so don't get your heart. You know, Penn State enjoy being at the top while you can. You have 14 four stars, which is incredible. For do that. you, do you find that interesting? I didn't know that until you just told me. I find that interesting in the context of I've heard. For a while now, rumors that if you if USC, you know, goes eight and five or seven and six or whatever this mm-hmm. year, that Clay Helton could be out and they and USC might try and hire James Franklin. I haven't heard any of that. Okay, well that's kind of been a rumor be. that's out there, and yeah. I guess if they get the top recruiting class, the recruits must yeah. think Franklin's there to stay. Maybe. Uh, so a lot of times you'll see like. The the most notable one that comes to mind is Philip Lindsay, when he was being recruited by the previous coach because Philip Lindsay played, played yeah so he was recruited by Hawkins pretty hard. or McIntyre sorry yeah so McIntyre who was after Mac Mel- was Mel Tucker okay, was after so Mac. but Lindsay didn't play for Tucker did he no I don't okay think so. so the coach because Lindsay played for Mac yeah mm-hmm. for two years. No, no, he was four years. It was four years under Mac. Okay, so the thing was when Mac came in, because Lindsey was, I think, a freshman. And the reason why I know is because they talked about it. Um, recruiting, like when they switched head coaches, he was very concerned that Mac didn't want him because uh-huh. he just tore his ACL. Uh-huh. So if you're, I'm not, and I, I don't like. I, I'm just saying this as an example, right? Like whenever you have a new head coach tenure, like coming in, like for sure. example, Mel Tucker or whatever. 
a lot of the guys that were, that was more like a ten month, than yeah, a ten year, exactly. Mel Tucker, yeah. <laughs> so for for example, though, like Mel Tucker was here, um, and his recruits weren't necessarily recruits he wanted, right? So he mm-hmm. you could pull an offer at that point. Um, but if you're hard committed, you're stuck. That's why I think the benefit of the transfer portal is like yeah. I didn't, I was only here for Rich. Yeah, a lot. Of, I don't really. I haven't seen a lot of following. Like a lot of people thought that when Lane Kiffin left and went to Ole Miss, mm-hmm. that he would have a ton of the players that he recruited come follow him, and that really hasn't happened. Really? Just, a lot of them have stayed. So that was Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Right? yeah. So rightfully so. Though. I don't think a lot of those players would be able to compete at Ole Miss. Yeah. Maybe that's why. So, or they just rather live in Florida maybe. than Mississippi. Exactly, exactly. I mean, a lot of it can come into play, uh-huh. right? Um, as far as though the Rich Franklin, this is where like James Franklin. You, yeah, James Franklin. This come you bring up a really good point though, because if he's recruiting these guys and say he goes to USC, all of them would probably likely compete yeah. for starting jobs at USC. So oh, yeah. it'd be something that maybe like you know. Oh, if you're and going, I bet. Look at some of the. I bet many of those top recruits are from California anyway. Um, I mean, we can yeah, we can go through the list. So it's like. Uh, yes and no. There, the the D lineman Danny Sutton is from Maryland. Um, oh, okay. And then yeah. Katron Allen is from Florida. They're the only one that I think close to. No, there's not really any of them that are from Cali. Oh, actually, so, so maybe many of them wouldn't transfer with them. Maybe I mean a lot of them. I'm seeing a lot of Pennsylvanias. I'm seeing a lot of huh. a lot of Pennsylvanias, a couple of Floridas, and a couple of Ohio. So maybe he just focuses on that area. Interesting. Yeah. Um, which is fine. That you know, so you're, they're you're running Ohio and you're running you know, yeah, Pennsylvania. Heck, heck yeah, especially Nicholas Singleton. I mean, the four star um, who committed on on this um, you know July sixth um, from Pennsylvania. So yeah, I think it also depends on would the recruit want to go that far away from home. Yeah, like, that's a pretty long drive. You know what I mean? That's a big factor, yeah. especially like you want to be. But Pennsylvania to. I mean, you know, like Florida, he's got a couple from Texas too. So it's like, you know, that's pretty far, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it just makes you wonder. I mean, Pennsylvania has a lot of talent, though. It really does. It, it, there's, there's a lot of factors that these mm-hmm. kids consider. Exactly. And now there's going to be more with NIL. Yeah. And, yeah. and Penn State. And you're probably more marketable in LA than. Then you would be at Penn. Yeah. In Happy Valley. Yeah, probably. But Penn State used to like the pedigree of it, the tradition of it. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, used to be a well known program. It still is, uh-huh. you know, pretty, pretty competitive. But yeah, that's stuff we can definitely dive into as, as more information comes out of that because I hadn't heard of that at all. Um, moving forward, though, so that's kind of wrapping it up for recruiting. I just think it's big news that Quinn Ewers is like, you know what, I'm out. Like, <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to college. I don't. No, if he's he's not going to be the last. Yeah, but I don't know. It's all because of name, image, and likeness, and I don't and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for college right away. Well, I think we'll find out, right? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's trying to wrestle to. Well, we, we need regulation, or mm-hmm. we need you know, and it's like, well, I mean, it'll give it a little time. It'll, it'll probably shake itself. Out. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, there's going to be some kids that make poor choices. Yeah, and some teams that make poor choices, mm-hmm. and and some teams that get left behind. Yeah, you know, and so. You know, but I mean that's just the way of the world. Mm-hmm. So exactly. So moving forward, though, let's talk about our conference previews. Um, we did it last week. We talked about the Mountain West and we talked about the the Pac-12. This week, we're going to talk about the Big Twelve and the ACC. We're going to start with the ACC. Um, we're getting it, and and we like we said, we do big and little. 
the ACC isn't really little. There's a ton of talent in a lot of these teams. Big 12 is just the more well-known, right? Like, uh-huh. you could you could make that argument all day that Big 12, outside of once Oklahoma and Texas leave, the, the Big 12 might be considered a littler conference. Um, but, having said that... There are going to be six more conferences that we preview. Exactly. Including uh, the SEC, the Big 10, mm-hmm. Sun Belt... Whack, yeah, American. We're doing them all at Conference USA. Yeah, we're doing them all. So we'll, we'll if, if we haven't covered your team, we'll cover your team. Don't you worry. Um, um, and then yeah, we'll just dive right into it though. The ACC. So starting with obviously the big. I think I think it's really cool when a conference has two potential Heisman finalists mm-hmm. in it, like DJ. And and say what you want about DJ, he played one year. He or he played really what two games? He <laughs> lost to Notre Dame, and then he. Um, I don't really know what else he did. Boston College. I think it was the Boston College game before that. That's the team I wanted to highlight a little bit later on. Um, But, yeah, so you can't say what you want with the talents there, right? Mm -hmm. He's got a ton of talent. And then Sam Howell, obviously. Um, So, and and then another thing, another team I like to keep an eye on in in this conference outside of Boston College is is actually North Carolina State. They Mm -hmm. produce a lot of really good defensive players, Mm -hmm. and they have in the past. Um, and I think we just do, do, do our, our respect to, you know, give to them as far as that. But let's yeah. go ahead and conference. Who do you think outside of Clemson can win this conference? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think a pretty clear cut. There's pretty clear cut top two, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could three. Mm-hmm. Our numbers have three ACC teams in the top ten power rankings. Mm. Uh, Clemson is third. Yeah. North Carolina is seventh, sixth, I believe, mm-hmm. or seventh, and then Miami is tenth. Okay. Uh, but I just wanted to highlight a couple, yeah. just sort of the, some of the big games on the landscape of the ACC here mm-hmm. before we get too far into it. Uh, on September 4th, we obviously have talked a lot about the Clemson-Georgia game. Mm-hmm. That one is going to be uh, massive. If, yeah. If Georgia wins that, I mean, you know, then, then there's almost certainly going to be two teams from the SEC in the playoffs. More than likely. So, yeah, more than likely. But uh, on that same day, you got Florida State, Notre Dame, and Miami, Alabama. Mm. So the ACC has a real opportunity here to step up to the plate, and if they can win two of those three games, to, to sort of establish themselves that, hey, we are as good as the Big Ten or the, maybe not the SEC, but as, as good as the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's the next bar for them is yeah. to show that they really are deserving of that second tier. I mean, SEC is SEC, right? Like, And we're not we're not trying to be an SEC biased podcast, but the numbers are on our side. Well, we're a college sense. football Yeah, we're podcast. college football. We're not dumb you know, in the sense of, like I said, two dudes dropping knowledge. SEC is king. Yeah. And it's, it's not going to change. Right. Once they, especially once they get Texas and Oklahoma. So having said that, though, like the if if ACC really wants to make their mark in the SEC, mm-hmm. Miami beats Bama, or Miami's very competitive against Bama. And you said the last podcast you think this is the most vulnerable Bama has been yep. since you know Saban's tenure. If they, well, I, I, I do. I mean, you know, they've got they, Miami. They've got te- on the on the road at Texas A and M in the middle of the season. Are they at Bama, or is this is that Miami Bama game? That's at a neutral Miami? site. Oh, okay, of course. Neutral site game. Stevens, the king at neutral sites. Yeah, neutral site <laughs> game. But Miami also plays uh, October eighteenth. Miami North Carolina. 
Mm. And then on October 30th, North Carolina at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So I mean, some big That's a pit too. Some big, big matchups in the landscape. Pitt, North Carolina State. Uh, there's a couple of teams, uh, Boston College, mm-hmm. that can really. They're kind of that next tier that can kind of mix things up. I don't think Florida State's quite there yet, mm-hmm. uh, but they have a bit of a favorable schedule. But yeah. Well, and we also like just real quick going back to that. Like, there's a couple, there's a couple teams that do play SEC schools. Like, Pitt plays Tennessee, um, and then Florida State obviously plays Florida. So, like, if the ACC really want to make their mark as far as like, mm-hmm. do you wonder if this, maybe not like trying to get a little off topic though, but like if this is a, I guess an audition this year and next year maybe you're going to start to see some of these schools start to play some of these SEC schools because SEC has been known this last few months making it known hey we're shopping for teams right right? Mm -hmm. do you wonder if some like say for example Pitt beats Tennessee does that give them kind of a a pretty good argument to say hey you know we're pretty solid I don't see like landscape topography like Pittsburgh going into you know the SEC but if maybe like you know I don't think Tennessee would change the tide Mm. at all but you you got Georgia Tech Georgia Florida State Florida yeah yeah I mean Florida State's a team that you've already heard mm-hmm. that the SEC might be interested in. Right. Those those games, yeah, I mean, you're right. But not just on a one-off basis. There there are plenty of opportunities for the conference mm. to establish themselves, uh, you know, against SEC teams, like Absolutely. you said. You know, and so, but then there's also plenty of opportunities to underperform as well. I mean, you've yeah. got week two, Miami plays Appalachian State. Appalachian State always rolls out a good bunch. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, you you have uh, uh, several teams. What is it? One, two, three, four, five. Five games from ACC teams against Notre Dame. Mm. You know, opportunities there. Um, if Notre Dame would join the conference officially, then it would be awesome, right? Right. <laughs> like, but, yeah. Well, and you got uh, UCF against Louisville. Yeah. Ole Miss, too. They play them right off the bat. So there's a ton of SEC, ACC crossover games. Mm-hmm. Which I think is good for the sport. Yeah. It's good for the conference as well. Boston so. College plays Missouri right there on top. Yeah. That one. I'll tell you what. That is probably just a toss-up, really. Mm-hmm. And Boston College gets them at home. And then Boston College the week after plays Clemson at Clemson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hey, say that. I mean, and and th- like I said, Boston College is definitely a team I want to highlight a little bit later yeah. on. Um, we'll go through their schedule. Um, and so if you're a Boston College fan, stick around. Yeah. So, well, as far as the media goes, though, what the conference predictions have, Clemson, obviously, number one, winning in the Atlantic. And then they have North Carolina State, closely behind with Boston College, third. And then in the Coastal, they have North Carolina, led by Sam Howell, uh, finishing or winning that division with Miami and Virginia Tech, two and three. Um, Pittsburgh, though, I do want to point out, is fourth in that division. Um, that's a team that I think can be sneaky good. I really do, especially in that Coastal, because for, for me, the Coastal – side of things it's a it can be a coin flip either way there's a i mean uh, those top five teams right there can all potentially win the coastal i mean if you get a couple bounces going your way like pittsburgh virginia tech miami north carolina north carolina we like if sam hell isn't the guy we thought he was going to be okay i'm not really too sure north carolina can make up the gap miami i think is one of those one of those teams where it's like if you I've, they're just a very confusing team, right? Like, you've had success, and then you 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 you'll win a game, like say it's like forty to nothing. And then the next week you'll come out and you're in a dogfight, fourteen. You're down fourteen nothing and a half. It's like what is going on? Like you just well, there's with no Miami consistency. too. They have had a ton of 
NIL activity in the offseason. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not saying it's the same as the distractions at Arizona State, but mm-hmm. it could be a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. But, yeah, so our, our, uh, our model numbers come out with the Atlantic, Clemson winning the Atlantic with a record of 10 and 2. Followed by Boston College, you've highlighted them. The numbers yeah. like them a lot. Nine and three, North Carolina State third at eight and four. Uh, Coastal, our uh, our numbers come out with North Carolina eleven and one, mm-hmm. Miami nine and three, Pittsburgh eight and four, third in the Coastal. Um, hmm. And Crazy. then you wanted to talk about. Offensive yeah. impact players. The highlight players, that's what we do because, you know, we're a college program. or uh, Not a college program, but we're a college podcast that, that it's without the players, there's no game, right? So Sam Howell obviously is the dark horse favorite to win the Heisman, right? Uh, and I would say dark horse because there's a couple, you know, anybody from Alabama can always win it. Um, you know, potentially JT Daniels, stuff like that. Sam Hell is definitely getting. Um, he's he's already projected to be a top five pick. Can win the can easily if he does what he's supposed to do. It's going to be between him and Spencer Rattler probably to win the Heisman, right? Mm-hmm. So um, last year just alone, thirty five hundred yards in a shortened season, uh, thirty TDs, seven interceptions, thirty. He, he did have thirty three sacks, but that's not necessarily all on him. A lot of it is the the just the experience of the line that he did have. Um, coming in this year, though, he does have a top 15 ranked offensive line in the country, and that, that's the experience of gained what they gained last year. Um, losing Javante Williams, though, uh, so everything on the run game is going to pretty much be on Sam Howell. The kid can move. So I think that's very exciting. That's, that, that's the biggest <coughs> thing. His last year, it's remarkable. Last mm-hmm. year, both Michael Carter and Javante Williams at North Carolina were both top six running backs Jesus. in yards in wow. the country. And they still had Sam Howell throwing for 3,500. How is this team not undefeated? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's probably because of their defense. It's yeah. not very good. Well, and they still they have a number 66 defense coming back this yeah, year. Yeah, that's what I said. It's probably, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like it is what it is. But we also wanted to highlight a couple other players. Um, so, Derek King from Miami. He The kid's got a lot of talent. He really does. I, I want to see him take over games. I, I'm I, w- I want to see him take that next leap. His completion percentage needs to come up from 64% for yeah. sure. He needs to be around 68, 69. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over very much, but I also want to see him, if it's like third and four, take off, bud. Like, you, you, you're not throwing the ball. You're going to use your legs and you're going to run it because you're going to put that team on your back. And that's what I want to see. And I think most Miami fans can agree. They want to see Derek King rise up and actually be the guy that he was recruited to be. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense is well, a weak. transfer, you remember? It came from yeah. Houston. Yeah, but they, there was a big – There was uh-huh. it was big about him. Yeah, right? he was marketed big. Exactly. Guy. So – um, and they did recruit to get him there. Yeah, you know, that's so, a good point. Yep. That's um, a very good and point. then in in Boston College, Phil Phil Jerkov, Phil Jerkovet, Jerkovic, yeah. Uh, he uh, he's another one. He's just kind of one of those things. Guys, guys been flying on the radar a little bit. At Boston College, to go probably as he goes on offense. Yeah. He he does have a strong arm. I really do like it. Um, but as far as what's around him, you never know. I I mean, and like I said, Boston College is someone we're going to dive into a little bit later in the show. So, having moving forward, we'll switch sides to the defensive side of the ball here. Uh, Brian Breezy, I've talked about him as probably next to Thibodeau, 1A and 1B as far as the best player in the country on defense. Brian Breezy is a man that can't be blocked, like, by double yeah. teams. He's he, he If Georgia 
and my if my dogs can't stop him, then Clemson wins this game pretty easily. The guy. Oh, every play is going away from him. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't really want. If I'm Zimmer I'm White, I want to take him on once. But um, as far as his skills, he's a very good player. Very very good player. Well deserved. Um, for all the accolades he has received, he should be the clear favorite to win it. Um, and if you see, if you've ever seen him play, you'll know why. He's just he's he's hard to miss, you know. But outside of him, though, you've got two sophomores on the defensive line, mm-hmm. uh, and and for the complete defense at Clemson, they only have five seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I mean, they could your dogs could could double team him and probably yeah. get away with it. Maybe. Maybe. Don't they have that linebacker coming back that got ejected in the Ohio State game yep, yep, after yep. hitting fields? Yeah, um, yeah, that is. Yeah, he's coming back. I forget his name. Yeah, uh, James Skalski. Okay, Skalski, yeah. yeah. Kid's a thumper. Um, anyway, yeah, so the, the other two players, Bubba Bolden from Miami, um, and then uh, Peyton Wilson from North Carolina State. And, and North Carolina State produces some very good defensive players, like Bradley Chubb. Um, this kid Peyton Wilson, I don't know what's in the water down there, mm-hmm. but they have some really good linebackers that they produce. And I joked last episode about how this is totally a linebacker podcast, and it it's not, but it's it's turning into one because we there's just so many good linebackers yeah. out there. Like this year, he's a, he's a he's a stud. North Carolina State has the 32nd ranked defense in the country. Just they just have a strong linebacking core, um, and you know to be honest. They're they're gonna uh, they're gonna be out on the field quite a bit, mm-hmm. and he's gonna have a lot of opportunities to rack up tackles. Absolutely. But but the kid Bubba Bolden down in Miami, uh, I mean he is he is a, a stud. He should be drafted very high. Yeah. Um, you know I mean he he's a he's a harken back to the U Miami of old days. And, you know from the safety position racked up seventy four tackles last mm-hmm. year, a sack and interception four fump, forced fumbles. He's a ball hawk. Uh, you know, he's definitely somebody to keep your eye on coming mm-hmm. in this season. Absolutely, absolutely. And then moving forward, so let's get right into the teams of it. Um, as far as the team that I really want, did want to highlight, we'll just start at the top of the, the top of the list, which is Boston College. So Jeff Halfley um, didn't really inherit a good team when he came over from Boston College. Uh, the Quite was, a drought since uh, Matt Ryan was there. Exactly. Right? Very, very struggling, <laughs> which is, I mean – I don't know if you guys know who Matt Ryan is, but if you don't, you should just Google as your friend. So, um, as far as returning production, though, on offense, they have a lot of talent coming back, 84%, um, which, you know, as far as the Zay Flowers, um, Zion Johnson, and then uh, the quarterback we already highlighted, Phil Jerkovich, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then their O-line, uh, led by Alex Lindstrom, too, which is... Zay Flower, Flowers, Johnson, and Lindstrom are all first-team ACC players, and the fact that you're able to get a receiver, a guard, and a center over Clemson's anybody, anytime you get a right. player over Clemson, I think mm-hmm. you're a pretty good player. Um, He's going to have the Jerkovich is going to have opportunities back mm-hmm. there. He'll have time. Absolutely. The kid Zay Flowers is a stud. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so he's going to have an opportunity. Yeah. Um, so. He will, he will, absolutely. And their strength of schedule is pretty favorable too. They this this team should be a seven uh I mean we can go through the schedule real quick. So like I got I got them against Colgate to start off the season on Sunday. Um that's a win. They're at UMass, that should be a win. At Temple, that should be a win. And then they have Missouri. So their first SC like real 
Missouri is not very good in the SEC, mm-hmm. but they're, they, they've been pretty solid out, out of conference, right? Um, so that'll be a good test for them just to see kind of where they're at because they'll come into that game undefeated, um, and, but it, and they're hosting them. So that's good. That's kind of their, their first big home game. And then after that, they have Clemson. They go to Clemson. Um, so we'll see potentially this team going 5-0 and going to Clemson with all, a lot of momentum, a lot of feel. I'm not really expecting them to beat Clemson. It's just because it's Clemson. I don't think the talent the Boston College has is quite there yet. Um, and then after that, another tough game, which is against NC State, but they host them. So ha- having having talked about a little bit of NC State as far as the talent coming back on defense, that'll be a really, really good test for them. Hopefully they're not too beat up after the Clemson game and they can actually. Um, but I, I think that's a, a toss-up game either way, depending on how they do against Clemson. If they're able to compete and like, say they only lose by like 17, Okay, yeah, it's really competitive against Clemson, um, and then you're able to, you know, I guess like really be a coin toss against NC State, and then they're at Louisville, and then they're at Syracuse, so those are two wins right there. Um, they host Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's I think a sneaky good team. That's a power. That's a power team, power running team, smash mouth, hit them in the, you know, hit you in the mouth type team. Um, that'll be a good test for them, and then I think that's actually a primetime game, which rightfully so. And then it'll be at Georgia Tech, and then they finish with Florida State and Wake Forest. So they have a pretty easy game um, to end. Their only real two tough teams, though, is Clemson. And then, I mean, you could argue NC State, but I'd say that the harder game out of the two would probably be Virginia Tech because they have two really easy games that should be lopsided wins and maybe a little bit of momentum coming into that game. Yeah, so, our numbers have them finishing 9-3, and 5-3 mm-hmm. and three in conference. Yeah. Uh, losing at Clemson, mm-hmm. losing at Louisville, mm-hmm. and losing at home to Virginia Tech. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably right. That's an outstanding season for yeah, them. They were six and seven in 2019 yeah, and six and five last year. Very very good. So, yep. Moving on here, we uh, Clemson. <laughs> where do you where do you stop with Clemson? Um, the, it's trying to stop them is going to be tough, but a lot of people are. High on DJ, a lot of people are, aren't. are Justin Ross was cleared for the uh, – he was hurt, but he got cleared um, to start the season, uh, which is good for them. They have uh, Ross, McFadden, Murphy, Breezy, Davis, Skalski, Booth, and Turner all on the ACC first team. Um, so talent is unreal. And when you have top five recruiting classes year in and year out and Dabo Sweeney's ability to develop, even though he's not necessarily a player's coach – um, because he said that he would quit if name, image, and likeness ever became a thing, <laughs> and he's still somehow there. So clearly, I mean, he's not going to quit, though. But the the strength is definitely the defensive side of the ball, right? Because DJ's an unknown after one game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as their their line goes, outside of McFadden, there's a lot of a lot of worry, I guess you could say. Um, but the defense is definitely going to be the strength and. Hopefully, if it's a typical Clemson team, their defense is going to be on the field a lot, right? Quick scoring. 92% uh, returning defensive production. Offense is only 46, but uh, that's all being replaced by DJ Uyunglele. Yeah, pretty much. So so that's that's the question. Yeah, when you have the best player, the number one overall pick leaving, the quarterback, you know, Trevor Lawrence, like there's going to be a a big drop-off. But DJ, to his credit, did step in and play pretty well against Notre Dame. Um, so there's a lot to be excited if you're a Clemson fan for sure. Another team, a potential playoff. You know, losing to Georgia or winning, it doesn't necessarily make or break the season. Um, I think if they have that one loss and they, or if 
You know, if they're undefeated, they're for sure in. But even if they have that one loss to Georgia, yep. they're, they're still, still still probably in. Still in. Our numbers have them losing week one to Georgia in a close one. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you recall, uh, two or three years ago, week four trap game, Clemson lost at Syracuse. Syracuse. Do you remember That's that? That's right. That's the only reason Dino Baber still has a job at Syracuse. Yeah. Okay, our numbers have week four, Clemson losing at North Carolina State. Mm-hmm. So they, they win they win their division but finish ten and two. Wow. Unlikely that they make the playoff. Okay. Yeah, if they have two losses, especially if they lose NC State, there's no way. Um, but moving on here, we've got the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, just not that I mean, they they're kinda shockingly good for what you think of like a, a perennial basketball school would be. Duke has kind of the last few years really under coach David Cutcliffe like really taken off as for them, right? Like a good win for them or a good season for them is a bowl game, right? I, I think that – and they, they've been able to achieve that. They really have. I mean, not last year obviously, but the, maybe it's just because it was a down year. But they, they do have, you know, over half their starters coming back on both sides of the ball. Well, you remember that first – I'm going to take you back in the time machine here. That first ball game mm-hmm. that – was kind of a big thing that put Johnny Menzel first on the map. Mm-hmm. That was against Duke. Duke won. This was whatever six, seven years ago. Duke had won mm-hmm. ten games that season. Wow. David Cutcliffe's been there for fourteen years, yeah. and they're just very it's up and solid. down. Yeah. It's 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 very very strange. They have they have the first team all ACC running back in Mateo Durant. Mm-hmm. And then basically nothing else. <laughs> I mean, it's it's shocking that such yeah. a great player is there. Yeah. Well, it's just development, probably. Yeah. I mean, um, but as far as as far as Duke goes, we're not expecting too much. I think this year, like you said, up and down. This is probably a down. Um, but they have been strong. I think, like for what for what you're used to seeing Duke be struggle to win two games a year, having you know now they're like okay, well we're a little bit better than that, so. Uh, but I do think this year is a little bit of a down year for them, for sure. The numbers have them three and nine, mm. winning at Charlotte, North Carolina A and T, mm. and against the Kansas Jayhawks. Okay, okay. Next, we move on to Florida State. Uh, Mackenzie Milton is definitely someone you want to keep your eye on. Uh, coming back, transfer from UCF. Yeah, like, and and he was under who was his coach? Yeah, well, Scott, Scott Frost Scott originally. Frost, yep. Um, yeah, they get Dylan Gabriel beat him out for the job. Mm-hmm. And he's a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah, he's not bad. Um, Definitely, Florida State wants to have success. It'll be it'll be from Milton's arm for sure. Well, let me let me just say, okay, Florida State fans, I love you, but let's just hop in the reality machine. There is not a single player from Florida State on the first team All ACC team. <laughs> not one. Mm. Isn't that shocking? You're in Florida. How are you not? Not one. A lot player? of a lot of recruits aren't going to Florida State. That's they're, unbelievable. They're picking Florida, and you wonder if Florida State goes the SEC route, will that change? You know what I mean? Could Florida State potentially be returning um, to what they once were? Right? Uh, maybe two and ten. Yeah, in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of two ways. No, I mean, yeah. Well, th- then Florida and them are Florida and Florida State are going to battle for recruits for sure, but. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not. I think they need to stay right where they are. Personally, I think that they mm-hmm. um, would be a shell of what they once were 
because they already are in the ACC right now. So, uh, but Deshaun Corbin's pretty solid. Cameron McDonald's pretty solid. Um, but their strength of schedule is brutal. Yeah. Like they, it's the second hardest in the in the in the actual ACC. So I'm not really expecting much from Norval in his second year. Bookings bookings on their schedule. First game of the season, Notre Dame. Last game of the season, Florida. I mean, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, Mike Norvell is seems to be turning it around a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit uh, better than Willie Taggart was doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, our numbers have him seven and five, which is an improvement of six and seven in 2019 and yeah. three and six last year. But this schedule, I mean, like you were saying earlier, Notre Dame, Jacksonville State, Wake Forest, Louisville, Syracuse, North Carolina, UMass, Clemson, NC State, Miami, Boston College, and they finish at Florida. Hey, Jacksonville State, that's Deion Sanders' team. Yeah. That's hey, no, listen. I mean, yeah. I, would, I mean seriously. No, they're solid. They yeah. could, they, they could be a sneaky team that sneaks yeah. up and gets them. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, and don't like Clemson. So they have Clemson and NC State back to back, and then they have Miami, and then yeah. they have. You know Boston College, and they're no slouch either against Florida. So yeah. the last two, three, five games—that's a—that's a meat grinder, man. So, yeah, our numbers have them seven and five, but they could easily be five and seven. Yeah, yeah. And then moving on, we got Georgia Tech. Um, they're kind of on the rise as far as getting rid of the option. They—they they had to when they the when Jeff Collins took over. Obviously, they were switching from the, the triple option mm-hmm. that was an archaic offense that they shouldn't be running at Georgia Tech. Um, they kind of took their lumps for sure when they're, they're starting to come out of it, I think, this next year and then the year after that as far as recruiting classes because they had 40 running backs on the list, you know what I mean? So as far as that, um, I'm expecting them to be competitive. I think that that a good year for them would probably be like four, maybe five wins for sure. Um, as far as their, you know, their J- Jameer, Gri- Jameer Gibbs is still there um, and then they have Jeff Sims and Tarek Carpenter. So... Uh, but their strength of schedule is the hardest, mm-hmm. and and that's what I'm saying. I think a good year for them would be four or five wins. Yeah, the numbers have them four and eight. Mm-hmm. The, the the new quarterback uh, Jeff Sims is a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it's that's going to be a tall task. I just think maybe they're a year or two. I think they're away. two. I think they're two years away from actually really being like a competitive, solid team in the mm-hmm. ACC. Um, I do think they're better than Florida State, though. Like, if you had to compare the two, I think Georgia Tech has the edge. Um, but it's just, it's only because they're switching the offense. Like, you know what I mean? And, and they just happen to timing. They yeah. just happen to have the most difficult strength of schedule yeah. in the ACC. Yeah. And then moving to uh, Louisville. Um, man, I, I don't know what to think when I think Louisville. I think that, obviously, like, gone is Lamar Jackson in the days of, like, but even with Lamar Jackson, they didn't. They weren't undefeated. You know what I mean? No. Like, they still took their lumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Malik Cunningham uh, it can be potentially pretty good. Um, Des Fitzpatrick is he's a, he's a deep threat for sure, but I think they're using him the wrong way in that offense. I really do. Um, but well, it's so run-heavy. Yeah. You have a talent like Des, Des Fitzpatrick, and he's out there blocking. Yeah, and you don't have – and if you're that run-heavy, you don't have a running back that's even on second team. All the ACC, yeah. like, what's going on, man? Um, their strength of schedule is pretty favorable for Louisville, like, you know, being, you know, the fifth hardest, I think. But they do have a lot of offensive production coming back, mm-hmm. I think. So that's pretty good for them. Um, I'm not I'm not sure, like, the outlook over-unders on them. I think if it was, like, five, I would take that for sure. But 
Numbers have them six and six. Mm. That's up from four and seven last year. Yeah, they were eight and five in twenty nineteen. Yeah, I got them around five wins. I mean, uh, and then you have Miami. This, like we talked kind of hit a little bit earlier. Derek King, they'll go as he goes. Uh, Bubba Bolden is also a very very good player. All first ACC uh, team, and then um, you have the tight end Will Mallory, um, who's kind of getting some compares to a, a couple tight ends from the past, like. You have the Kellen Winslow, mm-hmm. um, and then Don Chaney is is pretty solid as well. So it's definitely they they definitely have talent, and their their offense is pretty much all coming back. You know, you just wonder if if Diaz can can get the guys get the troops rallied before big games. Um, and there's there's certain schedule is pretty tough though. Yeah, they they yeah they they play the better teams on the road, mm-hmm. which makes it a little more difficult. Ton of talent on offense. Yeah, that kid, uh, Will Mallory, is one of the best tight ends in the country. Yeah, um, and then you had mentioned to me earlier too about uh, they had first team All ACC punter and how yeah. Lou Headley, how under the radar that's actually pretty important. It's a weapon. Yeah. It is a weapon. Uh, yeah, we we talked about it last podcast about um, was it oh, I can't remember the the school in the in the in the in the pack that had one, but your your punters. Viewed as like you flip the field and you put you put the defense in a very very good spot and you have a lot of production coming back especially with Bubba Bolden pinning his ears backs, I think that that's solid too. So. Oh, the future's all out in front of Derek King. Mm-hmm. He he can either be mediocre mm-hmm. or he can he could move himself potentially into the Heisman chase. He could he could move himself potentially into a first-round draft pick. They've got yeah, big games yeah. in front of them. Yeah. And it starts right away out of the gate against Alabama. Absolutely, absolutely. So. That's a, Yeah, if he's able to – I mean, you did say vulnerability is, you know, with Bama being a very vulnerable team. I'm not expecting Miami to win that game. I'm just I'm just saying that I'm not expecting them to be blown out either, you know. It is Alabama. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to give credit where it's due. Miami losing that game by 14 is a hell of a win for them. Yeah, numbers have them 9-3. and three. Yeah, okay. And then North Carolina Tar Heels. Sam Howell, uh, people can't stop talking about him. I can't stop talking about him. I think he's a really good quarterback. Um, if he's able to do what I think he can do, he's definitely going to probably most likely win the Heisman. Um, and then you have a uh, pretty solid O-line uh, led by Joshua Zudu. And then their Ty Chandler's pretty solid, Josh Downs, and then Taman Fox. But their cor- corner, Tony Grimes, is one of the best corners in the country. Um, and then as far as their strength of schedule, it's not hard, like, mm-hmm. at all. They mm-hmm. they really shouldn't, uh, outside of Clemson, they really shouldn't lose. Um, and then as far as, like, the skill sets going, their offense, when you have Sam Howell coming back, I feel like that gives you... A very big edge. I mean, their first game, uh, Virginia Tech, and then you know they go to Virginia. Two very, very after, um, after kind of a we can argue it's a bye week, but it's it's a not it's an FCS school. Georgia State, they're they're actually they're they're better than you would think, yeah. but North Carolina should roll. Yeah, they should roll them. And then you have Virginia, and then you play Georgia Tech, and then you got Duke, and then Florida State, and then Miami. You have one, two, three, four, five, six home games. Right. In a row, mm-hmm. like yeah, you got to go six and one in that stretch. Yeah, but that week seven, week eight, Miami at home at Notre Dame. That'll be the litmus test. Yeah, yeah, Miami. Um, that's what I'm saying. In that stretch, you got to go at least six and one, seven and zero. Oh. I mean, numbers have them going seven and zero. Oh, yeah, seven and zero oh in that stretch, and then um, don't count out Wake Forest. 
And it, that that might be a, a trap game for them too. They've kind of in the past they've always struggled against them. Um, so yeah, North Carolina's you know definitely a team to probably watch in the ACC for sure. Yeah, then, number four offense in the country, mm-hmm. best offense by a, a quite a large margin in. Um, in the well, ACC. That's, uh, them in Boston College certainly have the two best offenses yeah. in the ACC, and that's crazy because Clemson's still there. You know what I mean? Right. It's well, it's the, the, it's the change of quarterback. That's yeah. that's really it. So, yeah. so if DJ Uyunglele comes out and plays lights on fire, I mean, then then they're right in the mix as well. Yeah. Then then yeah. At the, obviously, at that point, especially with Justin Ross coming back healthy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but Mac Brown's got something cooking here. Mm-hmm. And the numbers have him going eleven and one, meeting Clemson in the conference championship. Yeah. Uh, next, we move on to North Carolina State, the the, the mighty Wolfpack. Uh, they're like I said, they have very good defensive talent that they've had in the past. Peyton Wilson, uh, all first team ACC, is on of a night uh, running back that's pretty solid. Akeem Ikwanu, and then but their defense is definitely the strength. Uh, they have a very very easy schedule as far as um, potentially to to be a, a good bold caliber team, right? Like uh, I think seven wins. Isn't isn't a stretch for them? I, I I don't think that at all. I think and especially if Devin Leary is pretty, you know, has has a decent year. Um, so it's one of those things where, but they're returning most of their talent on offense. Or I'm sorry, on defense. So they've got a good defense. Mm-hmm. The the kid Zonovan Knight at running back is going to be the factor on offense. Mm-hmm. If he can, if he can rack up yards, they'll have a chance in most of their games. Uh, they finished eight and four last year. Mm-hmm. Numbers say eight and four again mm. this year. Crazy in year nine for Dave Doran there. Yep. And then you have uh, Pittsburgh Panthers coming up next. Uh, Coach Pat Narduzzi, year seven. Uh, they don't have any players on the all ACC teams. Uh, Kenny Pickett, Vincent Davis, uh, and then Servasia Dennis, and then John Morgan are their impact players that we've highlighted. Um, Pitt, I think, is a very they're a tough team. Like, I mean, they're a team that a lot of people don't really give credit to as far as being tough, but they're, they're in some some grinded-out games. They're very much, you know, who I compare them to is, like, Northwestern. Yeah. You know, yeah. where they just don't, they don't get a ton of talent or mm-hmm. hype, but they grind it out, and, and the next thing you know, they're, like, 8-4. and four, And you're right. like, how the hell you're did like, that You're happen? like, that's a great season, yeah. man. Good job. And, they, you know, and they're they're holding up, like, the Citrus Bowl or so the Alamo uh-huh. Bowl. You're like, awesome. Um as far as this year, though, I think I think eight eight wins is, is pretty solid. I, I, a good good year for them for sure. I mean, a good year for them is going undefeated, but like Pitt's not. I don't think they're going to do that no in, anytime soon. But I think they're definitely a solid football team for sure. They have a tremendous defense, second in the ACC, mm-hmm. and the biggest factor they have the weakest strength of schedule in the ACC. Yeah. So they they were six and five. Which was kind of an aberration in the COVID season. They're eight, eight and five in 2019. The numbers have them eight and four again mm, this year. Crazy. Uh, next is Syracuse Orange. Uh, <laughs> the the reigning pinstripe bull, always their team. Whenever they get a bull, they because they're usually six wins and they out. It's because it's in New York. Uh, played at Yankee Stadium. They always seem to be in that bowl. Um, as far as their their impact players, we've highlighted Taj Harris and Garrett Schrader. And then Eric Cooley and Kingsland Jonathan on the defensive side of the ball. They're turning a lot of a lot, a lot of players on offense. Um, I just don't think they're a very good team in general. Uh, and it's nothing against them. It's just the talent-wise, they're not able to really get recruits, high-level recruits from New York. 
um, and, and as well as like they're just they're just missing something. They're missing a piece. I don't know if uh, we we did highlight that this might be Dino's last year. He was on the hot seat uh, on the coaching carousel mm-hmm. a couple episodes back, so maybe that's what they're missing. They just need a, a change of culture, a change of blood, something fresh. Because um, their strength of schedule also isn't favorable at all this year for him, the third hardest in the conference. So Dino might be saying goodbye. Like, yeah, yeah. It's we when we talked about it prior. The thing with Dino was he had of the five seasons he had two terrible seasons. Mm-hmm. Then they won like ten games in year three, and then they just had two terrible seasons again. Yeah. And so you know it's like, how long can you live off of the the fumes from that ten win season? Three years ago, our numbers have him going one and eleven. Incredibly hard schedule, and uh, bigger picture, this is a team. When realignment happens, you, you might see them drop to FCS. Really? I mean, they're bad. They have no. I wouldn't say FCS. I'd say more like Big East. Well, there's no more Big East conference. Have mm. um, we made it? So, I'm I'm just saying they, they there's like no. The other thing, too, is people always think, oh, you know, we need to move football or whatever into the New York market. Yeah. Well, people there just, for whatever reason, they just don't care about football. It's not college football. It's, it's, it's college. Yeah. They don't really care about college. But, yeah. like, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like the, the NFL definitely has, it's a, it's New York, right? You've mm-hmm. got, you have two teams for crying out You have mm-hmm. three teams for crying out loud yeah. in New York. I mean, you've got Buffalo, New York, Jets, and Giants. So, it's like... Yeah. Okay, I mean, you could argue that the, the Giants technically are in New Jersey, but that's for another time. Right. As far as Syracuse, though, yeah, you're right. Like, they're not really getting the love and the support of the city. Like, what is going on? I yeah. don't get it. Well, so, I mean, I, I just think they're they're in a bad way. Yeah. And it's a, a really tough schedule. Yeah. They, they play week three, Albany at home. Mm. That's a win. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, next, moving on to Virginia Cavaliers, a team that I, I like watching play just because I like their tenacity on, on, on both sides of the ball. They're very, very, uh, very strong, very strong team. Uh, first team is Nick Jackson, uh, all ACC, uh, the linebacker that they have. And then they have Brennan Armstrong, Billy Kemp, and Devontae Cross. There's, their schedule is pretty favorable. I mean, they potentially nine wins, I think, is a good year for them. I, I would go under on that because I think I have them around seven, maybe eight. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I think shooting for nine wins with Bronco Mendenhall is, is a good whatever he has them going. He totally changed that culture overnight when he got yeah. there. The Cavaliers. No question about that. Yeah, and I, we all remember that they had. I forget was it Bama that the the notorious picture of the kid leaning over the brick wall. Oh yeah. All set. <laughs> so since then they've been able to actually cheer about some things. Yeah, bro, so. yeah. Oh, there's no question about that. When Bronco Mendenhall came from BYU, he definitely changed the culture there. <laughs> yeah. Virginia, as a sidebar, uh, I believe it's week six. They're going to be playing BYU, mm. so that'll be Bronco Mendenhall's first time going back against his old team. Wow. I agree with you. They're on an upward trajectory. Mm-hmm. 2019, they went nine and five. Yeah. Last year's COVID season probably just an anomaly, but they're five and five. They just lost so much production. Offense, they're only returning 72%. On defense, 61%. Mm. Um, you know, our, our numbers have them going 6-6. Six and six. They could maybe go 7-5. and five. Mm. Um, it, You know, the numbers have them and Virginia Tech kind of as a mirror image. Yeah. And so that last game of the season, they're both probably going to be 6-5. and five, mm-hmm. And then whoever wins it goes 7-5. and five, The other goes 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty good. 
I would, I would go with that as well. Uh, then following by them, Virginia Tech. So head coach Justin Fuente. Uh, street, another solid team. It's just Virginia style of football, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, hit them in the mouth, hit them hard. They have a very good tight end, James Mitchell, first all first team ACC. And then they have Amari Bar- Barno, which is a pretty solid edge rusher that they got for him. And then Braxton Burmeister and Trey Turner, two guys that we highlighted that weren't on the ACC team, uh, quarterback and receiver. So their offense is definitely the strength of this team. Um, as far as potential, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you have what James Mitchell and, and Burmeister and Turner, you've got three pieces that they can potentially, you know, put up, you know, 28, 30 points, you know, given who they're playing, right? Um, but their strength of schedule for them is pretty tough. Like, it's it's ranked sixth, but for v- 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 Virginia Tech, it might be, like, third. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As far as the, the talent and, and the... The wins, I, I'd say a good year for them would be seven wins, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have a much higher than that, honestly. Well, just we talked about two podcasts ago. It was one of my games I wanted to see to start off the season. Just because I think it would be a litmus test for North Carolina. But mm-hmm. first game of the season, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. Oh, wow. Uh, that's tough for Virginia Tech. Yeah. Then their third game is at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's tough. They're similar style teams. But it's at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Then a fifth fifth game, they play Notre Dame at home. That's also very tough. Mm-hmm. And then finish out the season with my, at Miami and at Virginia. Wow. They like Virginia. Don't return much production. Sixty nine percent on offense, sixty seven on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the numbers have them going seven and five. Yep. And then uh, Wake Forest team and Deacons, a uh, team that uh, streaky can be streaky good. I think as far as the overall aspect of the team, not expecting much. Maybe like six wins um, based on just the, the – they did lose a little bit of talent. They do have Sam Hartman coming in, Nassar, Nasir Green, and then Ja'Quari Robinson. Uh, but their circuit schedule is pretty easy as far as the – I think it's the easiest in – or one of the easiest in the ACCs. Um, but, yeah, Dave Clawson's not bad. He's got a pretty good team around him. But I just think a good – as good as – they might be projected to be. Uh, we'll just take two wins away, and we'll, go, we'll just go six wins, I think. A bowl game for them is solid. Yeah, they're an interesting team, and they mm-hmm. do have a pretty relatively easy schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, they could steal away a win from Boston College, maybe one from Virginia or Virginia Tech. Yeah. Our numbers have them at four and eight, mm-hmm. but they could be six and six. I think, I think Dave Clawson, the head coach in year eight, they they need to they need to be six and six seven and five for, for him, him to, to feel it. comfortable yeah. in his job. Perfect. Um, and then that that wraps up the ACC actual conference for us. So we'll move right into it. Uh, the Big Twelve. As far as teams, um, you all know who Iowa State and Oklahoma are. Um, Spencer Rattler and Mike Rose are the two top players in that conference that we've highlighted for sure. Um, my biggest question is, outside of really two other teams, how does Oklahoma not make the playoff? Yeah, our numbers have them I mean, making I, the playoff. I don't see them not making it unless uh, unless Iowa State plays upset and shocks everybody. Um, but they did beat them, so that could happen is for sure as well. But I don't see Iowa State losing to a Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. I don't see losing to a Texas. I don't see them losing to TCU. I see TCU giving them a fight. But I don't see them losing to anybody in conference that they play. 
Um, Iowa State is kind of the same. It's one of those things where it's like if Iowa State can start off strong, I mean, they're, they they have potentially six wins right off the bat uh, before they play Oklahoma State. And then, they, I mean, that'll be a tough game for them, I think. And then they have OU second to last game of the season. So it's one of those things where I think the – the rubber meeting the road is definitely Oklahoma and Iowa State on a collision course for sure. Everybody, That's the game everybody wants to see. I think that's the game that both teams will take care of business getting to that point. Um, and then just from then on out, depending on who wins that game, depends on what can happen because Oklahoma could lose that game and then they have Oklahoma State. You know, and I'd feel bad if I'm Oklahoma State <laughs> playing them right after a loss because that's a game that you know might be versus them beating Iowa State. And then Oklahoma State could potentially play upset, but they would still in the tiebreaker and win the in the you know at that point. Yeah, November twentieth, Oklahoma it has they're at home mm-hmm. against Iowa State. Yep. that is second to last game of the season, like you said. I mean, I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. All of our numbers indicate that it's that's the collision course for yeah. the conference. A couple other uh, games that we wanted to highlight. We mentioned already, but uh, week three, November, or September 18th, West Virginia and Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have uh, week three, Oklahoma State plays at Boise State. Mm-hmm. Kansas State plays at Nevada. Mm. And then everyone's hyping up this Oklahoma at Nebraska game. I think that that's going to not be very competitive. No. Um, <laughs> but those are kind of some of the big non-conference games yeah. there. Um, and then as far as the conference predictions, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Texas. I think Texas is a little bit high. I don't have them finishing third. I'd have TCU above them finishing third. Uh, but we did hit that at a previous podcast as well. Um, and then what we have is, the according to the numbers, Oklahoma finishing 12-0, and Iowa State 11-1, and so Oklahoma does beat them. And then Oklahoma State would be three, and then TCU is four. Texas is five at eight and four, so... Um, like I said, I think Texas is a little bit high for, for what – I mean, they're, te- they're Texas, right? They've mm-hmm. got some players that can play. Um, and this year they really have to, especially after the news of potentially moving to yeah. the SEC, they've really got to put up or shut up. Our numbers have them uh, – have Texas, TCU, and Oklahoma State basically uh, tied. a trade-off. They're yeah. all 8-4 and four, um, with Texas being the third of those three teams based off of head-to-head. Yep. And then, you know, then you get your rematch in the Big 12 championship game between Oklahoma and Iowa State a week, well, two weeks afterward. Mm-hmm. Which would be amazing to see. Um, and then as far as the the, high, the players to highlight, we mentioned Brees Hall earlier in the, in, the, in the podcast. I think it was episode one. He should win the Doak Walker. He's probably the best running back in the nation. Um, 1,572 yards, 21 TDs. You can catch the ball out of the backfield. Had 23 receptions, 180 yards, and two touchdowns last year. Um, Spencer Rattler, the Heisman, probably right now you can pencil him as a Heisman finalist uh, uh-huh. just because of all the media around him. Uh-huh. Um, very, very solid player. Uh, I do have cons- little questions concerning his character off the field, though, uh, just as far as his personality-wise. Um, but the Heisman isn't a isn't – a, a, a war that goes to sometimes the most good character of the field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but his stats, you can't deny 3,000 yards. Um, usually, he's just, a, he's just a highlight reel whenever he steps on the field. And then uh, another one we, we wanted to kind of highlight was B. John Robinson, uh, the running back out of Texas. Uh, if Texas is going to be a little bit better than what they have been, they're going to rely heavily on Bijan. So. 
Yeah, they got a new freshman quarterback coming in at Texas. Mm-hmm. They're four upperclassmen on the offensive line. They only return one of their top wide receivers, uh, and then then the tight end Brewer, who's a who's a top five tight end in the country. They they're gonna lean heavy on the run with Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, two other things I just wanted to point out with both uh, Oklahoma and Iowa State have outstanding offensive lines. Yes. Oklahoma's got a top five offensive line in the country, and Iowa State's number seven offensive line in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, all three of these guys are going to put up tremendous numbers. Yes, absolutely, and and it's because they're really good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and you add that into the into the mix as far as their their line goes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, defensive player of the year candidates would be Mike Rose. Uh, that's who we I think we've both kind of agreed with as far as. The best play, best defensive player in the in the Big Twelve, um, but Nick Benito, Nick Benito from Oklahoma gets a little bit of praise from us as well, and Dante Stills from West Virginia. Uh, both are defensive ends. Both have kind of around the same numbers, but you know, hovering around thirty tackles. Um, but Benito, as far as sack, he's like the sack master with eight and a half um, from last season with a forced fumble. Um, the thing I think that'll separate. Oklahoma and Iowa State is West Virginia's gonna be trailing a lot, so they're gonna be throwing a lot. Can can Dante Stills get his sacks? Can he is he able to yep. take over that game defensively like like you know we, we, we hope and believe he is? West Virginia has a sneaky good defense. Mm-hmm. They return they've got eleven upperclassmen on the defense. Nick Benito is outstanding, like mm-hmm. you said. Uh, there's a young secondary, so you know, if if teams are effective in passing over the top of him, mm-hmm. he could be neutralized. Yeah. Um, you know, and they have an outstanding offense at Oklahoma. Both Oklahoma and Iowa State have outstanding offenses. And so the problem then becomes, are these guys going to be out on the field all game, just getting tired and wore right. down? Right. Um, but Iowa State, strongest defensive line in the conference. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. those are three outstanding defensive Absolutely. players. Absolutely. Absolutely. Moving forward here, we'll just get right into the the teams that we're going to highlight. So Baylor Bears, um, they're very confusing for me. Uh, it's like they're up and down, a little bit too down for, I think. I'm not really high on them. I, I don't think that they're going to be offensively being able to put up the numbers that they should be. Um, the defense is definitely the strength of that team for sure. Terrell, Ber- Terrell Bernard and Jalen Peter are going to um, definitely steal the show when they're on defense, for sure. Their strength of schedule is pretty tough for them. Dave Ryan has got a tough task as far as getting them to even even six wins, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, this year two, it's a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember Charlie Brewer, probably the, unquestionably their best player, transferred to Utah at yeah. quarterback. Um, you know, the two players you highlighted on defense are outstanding, but... They just don't have enough. They only return 59% on offense, mm-hmm. of offensive production. Our numbers have them going 3-9. and nine. Yeah. And then Iowa State uh, should be second, if not first, in the, in the division um, at the Big 12 Conference. And then as far as the – I mean, we've already highlighted so many other players, but we can go Charlie Kohler, uh, Trevor, Downing, Trevor Downing, Colin Newell, Will McDonald and then Greg Easeworth outside of Hall and Rose are the ones that we want to keep our eyes on as well. But Iowa State has um, a very, very good chance to win the, win the, win the conference. Um, Matt Campbell, hell of a coach. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think he 
he uh, might get snagged up by a pro team or by, so for example, if Michigan fires Jim Harbaugh, maybe they go grab Matt Campbell. Mm -hmm. He is a great coach. Like you said, return a tremendous amount of production on Mm -hmm. offense, 94%. Um, They are... Don't they? Don't be surprised if these guys end up in the playoff. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it sounds strange, but don't be surprised about it. Numbers have them going eleven and one with a rematch against Oklahoma yep. in the conference championship game. Yeah. Brock Purdy too is a name that we didn't talk about much, mm-hmm. but he is a great leader and he's got a ton of weapons. He's coming. A lot of experience too. Mm-hmm. A lot of experience. Um, and then Kansas Jayhawks will be lucky probably to win two games, if not Complete one. Complete mess. Um, and then, yeah, Les Miles is gone. Gone. So uh, it'll be Lance Leipold taking over. Uh, we did, I think we highlighted, because this, this was recent, right? Mm-hmm. Like Les being, yeah, being let go. Um, so, yeah, they have the second hardest uh, schedule uh, in the Big 12. Well, yeah, they're not. I just, I don't, I don't want to be unfair. I don't want to get anybody's, any KU's. Um, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, but they're not going to win a game this year. I don't see them winning a game. Yeah, if they're going to, it's week one. They had to play North North Dakota. Not North Dakota State, North Dakota. Yeah, I don't see Uh, The numbers have them going Mm 11-1. They lost a ton of production, but to be honest, that production wasn't very good. 1-11. Yeah, (laughs) 1-11. Like you said, tough strength schedule. They just don't have talent. I mean, you know... From watching recruiting, I mean they are they are almost all the recruits go to Kansas State. Yeah, they are almost routinely one of the worst Power Five teams in recruiting every year, and and it's evidenced on the field. Yeah, and you know it's unfortunate because I like Les Miles a lot, mm-hmm. but there was no institutional control. They had all kinds of issues like Arizona State's having now, and it's good that he's gone. And yeah, we'll yeah. see what this Lance Leopold can do. Yep. And then uh, next we have moving on to right right down the road a little bit in Manhattan is Kansas State. Um, they have the third toughest uh, strength of schedule, returning a lot of offensive talent. Uh, their Philip Brooks is probably their their best playmaker. Um, he's all Big Twelve first team. And then we highlighted Wyatt Hubert and Elijah Sullivan on their defensive um, team as well. So my thinking would be like both their offense and defense is pretty good like for what it has been the last few years as far as like talent on both sides of the ball i think these guys can be a pretty you know pretty good average team in in the in the big 12 i've got them probably i want to say like you know for sure a bowl win not win but bowl game for sure i think that's not too much of a stretch and maybe even sneaking into seven you know seven wins yeah tough strength schedule Mm -hmm. third in the conference um they do return a good amount of production on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure Chris Kleiman is uh, the coach that's going to be able to get these guys back. Yeah. Uh, however, the first three games are going to say a lot about their program. First game of the season at home, they get Stanford. Mm. Stanford is probably right around their same talent level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So whether they win or lose that, Will be interesting. Week three, they get Nevada at home, and Carson Strong we covered last week. If they if they can win those two games, they they're looking at maybe eight and four. Yeah. But our numbers have them going six and six. Okay. Yeah. So again, you know, a bowl a bowl game for sure. Next is moving on to Oklahoma. 
powerhouse that that um, will compete with probably Iowa State for the for the Big Twelves. Um, outside of Spencer Rattler, you got Jer- Jeremiah Hall, their fullback, which you don't really hear too much about a fullback, you know. But all first team Big Twelve: Marvin Mims, Marcus Hayes, Josh Sills, Wanya Morris, Isaiah Thomas, Perion Winfrey, and Nick Benito. Nick Benito, we did highlight uh, one of the premier linebackers in the country for sure. Um, overall, they're just a very good team, probably one of the best all-around teams next to, and we're talking tiers of Bama, we're talking tiers of Georgia, we're talking tiers of Clemson, right? Uh So, as far as talent on both sides of the ball, they're competing with them, and they finally, at least on paper, and what we're hearing, they finally have a defense, which is crazy. Yeah, nine players on first-team all-conference. Lincoln Riley, I think, has proven that he's not just running off of Bob Stoops' fumes, he's a hell of a coach. Yep. They do lose production mm-hmm. on the offense and defense, uh, but they have they have the second ranked offense in the entire country. Jesus, and like you mentioned, I mean, you know, we'll see, and it, we'll see if their defense has arrived. As for right now, the numbers have them at twenty fifth in the country. We'll see, but you know, they have they have the weakest strength of schedule in yeah. the entire Big Twelve. And we didn't even mention Jaden Hazelwood. You know, the top receiver that they actually have for him. You know what I mean? That was mm-hmm. one of the probably... I mean, I think he was the second best receiver in the class in the year that he, he recruited to Oklahoma. And plus the talent that they're getting coming in this coming year as far as, you know, Sawchuck leading the way. So, um, yeah, Oklahoma's not really going to go anywhere anytime soon as far as being, you know, one of the one of the cream of the crops. You just wonder if they do leave for the SEC, will they be able to compete? Um, I think if their defense can arrive this yeah. year, I think they got a shot. Right. The numbers have them going twelve and zero into the Big Twelve Conference Championship game Crazy. against Iowa State. Crazy. Uh, moving on, it's Oklahoma State. Uh, Coach Mike Gundy entering what feels like an eternity, year fifteen, <laughs> uh, and then he, uh, his his only real Big Twelve first team player, which I, I kind of find a little hard to believe because there's a lot of talent. And that secondary is Colby Harville Peel. Uh, Trey Sterling, I think, kind of got snubbed. Um, their strength of schedule is is uh, ranked fifth, so it's kind of middle of the road for Oklahoma State. Should be pretty solid. They they might they might pull an upset or two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I wouldn't put it past them. I really wouldn't. Um, they do get up for big games. They are very competitive. Um, eight wins, I think, is solid for them. Numbers have them eight and four. Mm-hmm. You you got now. Remember. Last game of the season, Bedlam. That's right after Oklahoma, Oklahoma. plays Iowa yeah, State. They have, they have Oklahoma. Oklahoma could it could be a trap in between two games with Iowa State. It's a tough stretch. For I think I think they're they lost a ton of production on offense, only returning sixty five percent. They go as quarterback Spencer Sanders goes. Yeah, he, you know, and he's yeah. he's shown some talent, but yes. but we will see. And um, you know, in the interest of Mike Gundy, we remember you're a man and you were forty. Yeah, <laughs> or you were forty. You were forty. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Now he's what sixty five now or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Texas Longhorns are next on the list. Steve Sarkeesian, Steve Sarkeesian in his first year uh, inherited a very, very tough year, a very, very tough schedule ahead of him, um, and not a lot of talent really outside of two players, Bajon Robinson and Deshaun Jameson. Um, Casey Thompson is one of those, uh, I guess, is, is he an X-factor? Or no? I, we're going to find well, out. Well, he's, he's an important player because he's quarterback. Yeah. But he's young and unproven. 
Did he win the job officially? Like, I don't even know if there was competition. It, it he might still be. It might, it, he's getting the nod right now, yeah. but it might still be in an open competition. I mean, but overall, their offense, I mean, it's, it's probably all Robinson, but they, they have a very good offense, right? Like, they're, they're, they put up numbers. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, like I said with Colorado. I mean, if they can run the ball and the quarterback doesn't turn it over, mm-hmm. you know, they can, they can be good. You think they eight wins? Uh, so our numbers have yeah Texas finishing eight, eight and four yeah I mean it's you got the toughest strength strength of schedule in the entire conference you start off the season against the team that returns twenty one of their twenty two starters from last year Louisiana Lafayette mm-hmm. and 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 don't scoff at that Texas fans because <laughs> last year Louisiana Lafayette rolled into Iowa State and kicked their ass week yeah. one yep so so they're no patty cake now no. they're gonna they're gonna come to play. Um, Moving on here is TCU. We, we highlighted Zach Evans um, as, as running back in a couple podcasts ago. Um, all Big 12 first team is Ochan Mathis, Travis Hodges, Tomlin, and then um, some players outside of Evans to keep an eye on is Max Duggan and Kerry Coleman. Um, their offense is over 90% or just under, under 90% coming back as far as the production value. Um, and then the strength of schedule is pretty favorable. TCU is a team that I think a lot of people should be – don't be shocked when they go – Eight, possibly nine wins this year. Um, where they'll find that ninth win, you know, remains to be seen. But they they can definitely do it. They have the talent, um, and I really, really do think that the the Horn Frog is is coming to play this year. The Big Twelve, I really do. Yeah, TCU's it's a very, it's a very uh, average uh, or what we've come used to, accustomed to Gary Patterson TCU team, mm-hmm. where it's strong defense. 21st ranked defense in the country, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then and then a little bit of uncertainty, but mostly running game on yeah. the offense. Uh, like we've said, how many times have I said it? As long as Max Duggan does not turn the ball over, yeah, they're they're going to be in it. The, the numbers have them losing, starting the season off five and zero, losing at Oklahoma, then uh, losing to Kansas State at Kansas State at Oklahoma State and then at Iowa State on the last game of the mm. season. Okay. So Iowa State. Kansas State might be a coin toss then. Kansas State might be. Yeah. So that that could be one they pick up. Uh, you know, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. They're not gonna they're not gonna win at Oklahoma or at Iowa State. Yeah. But but if they yeah the the the, the toss games are at Kansas State and at Oklahoma State. Awesome. And then uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders, head coach Matt Wells in his third year coming in. Uh, all Big 12, don't dog him. Austin McNamara, the punter, a hell of a weapon to have on any on any uh, team, actually. Um, and then you've got Eric Izukamna and then Colin Schooler. Uh, returning production is mainly on their defense as far as like the strength of the team will go. Um, they're coming in, they're, what, ranked ninth in the in the the Big Twelve as far as our defense is what we have them mm-hmm. and then but their offense is like outside of Eric you've got do you have I mean really I'm kind of shocked I think that their offense is going to be a little bit better than people are projecting yeah well I mean, just by nature of being in the Big Twelve yeah. they're going to have opportunities to score they're going to yeah. be trailing in almost every game yeah so they're going to be passing a lot so my stats might be a little bit misleading then yeah. yeah. You know, Texas Tech has the capability to... So, another one. Week mm-hmm. one, you're going to get an idea, a good idea of what the, sh- the shape of Texas Tech football is in. Mm-hmm. They play at Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's a winnable game for them. 
If they win that, they could be five and seven, six and six. Mm-hmm. If they lose that, which our numbers have them losing, they go four and eight. Mm. Four and eight, okay. two and seven in conference, yeah. only beating I, Kansas. I would have them right around five wins. I think that's that's pretty good for them. Uh, West Virginia, uh, the Mountaineers. Dante Stills is a man among boys when it comes to playing this football game. Uh, he's all Big 12 first team. Uh, could potentially be a first rounder, maybe even a second, uh, you know, a second round pick. I think would isn't too far of a stretch. Um, the strength of schedule is very tough for them, though. I think six wins uh, will be tough for them to get. Long are the days since Steve Slayton and Noel Devine. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like as far as yeah. the offensive juggernaut that they were. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Letty Brown is, is definitely one I think you know keep a, keep an eye out for it. and then and they Troy Fortune for sure, but their offensive production returning is coming back. It's just under eighty percent, so or just over eighty percent. So it's I think that they have a potential to be good, but I, six wins I, is where I have them if they if they want to be a decent team. Yeah, six wins, get a bowl game, um, and then just you know. Start to show your kind of up on the up, on the up and up for sure. They have, by West Virginia standards, they have pretty good talent on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball. Mostly, obviously, is on the defensive side. Yeah, Dante Stills, like you said, tremendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have the top ranked defense in the Big Twelve. Yeah, uh, which I mean, only matters to the extent that you could score points to win. They have a tough schedule. They start the season off at Maryland. That mm-hmm. one, uh, very much like a few other games we talked about, Texas Tech, Houston. Uh, Texas and Louisiana Lafayette week one, that's a measuring stick game. If they can get that win, then they may be in the ballpark of eight and four. If they can't get that win, they're probably more like what you're saying, seven and five, six and six. Mm. Our numbers have them going seven and five in Neil Brown's seventh year. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, man. So, well, well done on that uh, as far as the – um, conference overlook. If you guys have any other questions or anything like that, or if you disagree or agree with us, totally let us know. Um, hit us up on the the fan section uh, on Twitter, which is our handle. Um, it's been fun as far as covering the, the the actual overall conferences. Like we said last week, we did the Mountain West and the Pac-12. Uh, this week it was the Big 12 and the ACC. I think we'll move on to the SEC and maybe the American Conference next, um, covering some of the you know big little like we said. Um, as far as recruiting goes, like, well, I'm sure today will be kind of crazy. Penn State's still number one. Um, and then anybody else that we can think of that, that does make an impact, we'll definitely let you guys know, keep you updated on all the news and everything like that. But, um, yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys next week.